It's rewind time. We're going to go back and rewatch some of our favorite TV shows and movies from the 80s and 90s and see if they still hold up. Welcome to Why Is Everyone Staring at Us with Aaron and Odell. Odell. Aaron. Did you watch? Okay, so last time we talked about doing an 80s rewind, mm-hmm. I brought up the movie Stand By Me. You did. Did you watch it? I did. And I have one, I just remembered because we just talked about Flashdance last time. Oh, yes. I'm sorry to spring this up. Do you have up. an update? We I, well, I do. Because remember how we were saying we wish they would remake the movie? Yes. Make it more, less about the romance, the, you know, dysfunctional romance, and more about the friendship between Alex and Jeannie. Right. I saw where Paramount Plus is developing a TV show. Of, flash of course dance. it is. Of so course it is. That makes me hopeful. I just, I really want them to keep it in the 80s. I hope they do. And I they want have them. To, I think they will. Like now, especially with the success of Stranger Things and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like this generation of kids I'm finding, or this, gener- not just kids, but like teens and young adults mm-hmm. is loving flashing back to the 80s. Yes. So I think I which is you. awesome for us, but then I'm like, oh God, we're retro now. <laughs> <laughs> like that is really true. We, but I felt that way when Nick at Night started changing over to like Seinfeld and Friends and stuff instead of the old Dick Van Dyke right. and or when Mary on American Tyler Moore. movie classics, you're seeing <laughs> Ferris Bueller's Day Off or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like it's nah. supposed to be black and white movies. Right. It's I don't understand. Judy Garland and Gene Kelly and John Wayne. I know. Matt, old. Matthew Broderick. But yeah, so I hope they do that. And I really want them to make Jennifer Beals. She should be the mentor. She totally should. Yes. Oh, I hope she has something to do with it. That would be amazing. So there we are. That's my that's my update. Also, okay. I said that the Broadway show was opening. The article that I read about the Broadway show opening was from like 10 years before. I need to start <laughs> checking dates on things. Oh. It was when they were meaning to move it to Broadway. and then. I guess they, that didn't, didn't work out. Make it. But I did read that the Broadway show is less about the romance and more about the hopes and dreams of Alex and Jeannie. Aww. So hopefully the TV show will do the same thing. Odell, do you remember that we wrote a musical about the hopes and dreams of a girl to the music of Madonna? It was. Yes. Lucky star. <laughs> okay. Just wanted to bring that up. All right. I wouldn't say we wrote it. We planned. We, we started No, we planning. conceptualized We did. It. We did. And I think that if we had put pen and paper in front of us, we could have written an amazing musical and would probably be Tony winners at this point. I think in our heads. And it would have been optioned into a movie. My God, we would have been huge. Okay, Okay, let's 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 talk about Stand By Me. Let's do it. So first, do you want me to tell you the top 10 first? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do that. And when did this come out? So Stand By Me... Came out in 1986. Okay. August 12th. Okay. To be more How precise. weird, because this is going to, is this air, going to air on August 12th. On August 12th. <gasps> oh my God. Craziness. So it came out, oh God, 35 years ago, the day it this airs. Did. Oh my God. Okay. Well, anyway, so Stand By Me. Here's the top 10 movies for that when that was released. I'm going to start at 10. Number 10 was a movie called Heartburn. I've I've no idea what that no. movie is. Number 9, One Crazy Summer. Oh, I Wasn't that the John that Cusack? One. Yeah, there some and dude Demi in like Moore? A, yeah. And some dude in like a wasn't there like a dinosaur costume or something or a swamp creature costume? I vaguely remember. <sighs> Something's coming back. Okay. So number 8, Manhunter. Oh, that was the original Hannibal. So Red Dragon. Oh, they had done that's it. basically what the, who was in it? Um, Who was Hannibal? Or were they the same names? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was based on the book. Oh. But I think Red Dragon followed the book more closely or something. I forget I loved who was Red in Dragon. It. That mm-hmm. was a great movie. All right, number seven, Ruthless People. Oh my God, I love that movie. I loved that movie. <laughs> Number five, Nothing in Common. Vaguely don't know remember what that, that. is. I, the title is ringing a bell. I don't remember what it was. Number four, The Karate Kid, part two. Oh, when he went to Japan. Have you watched Cobra Kai? No. Okay. 
my husband is watching it right now. And can I tell you something really quick? Mm -hmm. He has cried three times in front of me. (laughs) The, our wedding and the birth of each child. He cried last night. At Cobra Kai. At Cobra Kai. (laughs) When Daniel was reading a letter that Mr. Miyagi wrote about him. (laughs) I haven't. I liked Karate Kid. I didn't love Karate Kid. I loved it. I love, love, loved it. I loved Ralph Macchio. But it. I was like, I can't believe you've cried now four times in front of me. And one of them was to Cobra Kai. (laughs) And he goes, I only cry at the important things. (laughs) Okay, so then number three, one of the greatest movies ever made, Aliens. Yeah. So this was the second one in the series. It is my absolute favorite one of the Alien movies. Oh my God, that one was all action. It had the little girl. She was like, stay away, you bitch. Oh, so (laughs) good. Um, Number two, Armed and Dangerous. What movie is that? It sounds familiar. It does sound familiar. I forget who was in it, though. Why do I want to say Dan Aykroyd? I'm sure that's wrong. But I feel like it's a comedy. I don't know. All right. Number one, another fantastic movie, The Fly. Oh, God, yeah. With one very sexy, Mr. Jeff Goldblum. I do find him very sexy. He really is. I'm. Oh, my gosh. Grab those ears and go to town. (laughs) (laughs) oh i love it all right let's get to the top 10 songs shall we let's do it armed and dangerous john candy meg ryan eugene levy john candy that's right a fired cop and useless lawyer sign up as security guards and find their they've joined a corrupt union oh i need to watch that okay that sounds amazing top 10 songs Mm -hmm. we have got first the edge of heaven by Wham. Okay. Oh, sorry, that's what that was. That was number ten. Got it. Number ten. Got it. Sorry. Number nine. Take my breath away. Yeah. Love theme from Top oh Gun gosh. by Berlin. Oh girl. Oh girl. The fantasies I had to that. <laughs> um. Number eight. Rumors by Timex Social Club. Oh yeah. What is that? Stop spreading those rumors around. I don't know. Here, I'm gonna find it. <laughs> Please do. Like, we just won't. will I recognize it. You better. I don't know. We tried to do round and round and I didn't recognize the song. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. Oh, that's a great song. <laughs> I got to put that on a playlist. I haven't heard that in forever. Okay. Um, number seven, Dancing on the Ceiling with oh my Mr. God. Lionel Richie. Yes. Oh, flashbacks. That was that was our summer dance song. When my cousin <laughs> came down, We that was our choreo song <laughs> for the summer. We always had a summer song that we danced to. That was yes. one of them. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, I love it. Um, number six, Venus. Oh, yeah. Bananarama. This is an amazing. I love. 1986 and 1987. For... I'm telling you, those are my two favorite years for music in the 80s. Yeah. I really think so. 1987, I was obsessed with. Number five, we don't have to take our clothes off. Oh my gosh. Do you remember <laughs> that Jermaine song? Stewart. I don't remember that oh, song. That, hold up. Because that's amazing. You will totally. Okay. No, I remember it. I love it. I love it. Oh my gosh. So good. Okay. Number four, Higher Love. Oh yeah. Steve Winwood. I love that song. Number three. Little mad about you. Oh, Sweet Belinda, Belinda Carlisle. Carlisle. <laughs> I love it. Um, number two, Glory of Love. Theme Karate from Kid the Karate too. Kid Part Two. Peter Cetera. And number one, I still know my choreography for this one. And I bet you do too. Number one was a little Papa Don't Preach. Oh, girl. <laughs> by Madonna. Oh, honey. That was my lip sync song. <laughs> oh, Honey. Oh, I love it. With the, um, I love, I can totally see you doing. <laughs> I can so see you. I can totally see you lip syncing to that Girl. song. Oh my God. My girls, my daughters and I want to have a lip syncing contest because they think that they're really good, which they are because they're my kids. So of course they're going to be amazing at it. But I was like, y'all don't want to go up against the mama. Especially if you put the face on your chin and do it upside down. Oh my God. I really need to. I really need to. All right. So stand by me. So mm. that that's what was going on in 1986. It was amazing in. year. It was yeah. an amazing year. So here is a just brief synopsis of stand by me. After learning 
that a stranger has been accidentally killed near their rural homes, four Oregon boys decide to go see the body. On the way, Gordy, Vern, Chris, and Teddy encounter a mean junk man and a marsh full of leeches as they also learn more about one another and their very different home lives. Just a lark at first, the boys' adventure evolves into a defining event in their lives. I think that's a great it is synopsis. a beautiful synopsis. Thank you. So let's, okay. Can we talk about this cast first? Yeah. We, both of our movies today, we have ridiculous casts. Mm-hmm. So this one, we have Will Wheaton. Mm-hmm. We have the late River Phoenix. Mm-hmm. We have Corey Feldman. We've got Jerry O'Connell. And we've got a very young Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah. I think this was one of his and first movies, wasn't Richard it? Richard Dreyfus. Who's not in it at all? And Richard lot. Dreyfus, that's right. And John Cusack. Yeah. <laughs> totally I forgot totally he was in it. In yeah. It, this movie held up. It was oh, yeah. better. It, it, I mean, I remember watching this movie as a kid and I loved, loved, beyond loved this movie. I, I mean, this was like, it was such a defining movie in my childhood mm-hmm. and it held, it more than held up. I feel, I yeah. feel it's, it could be made today and it's just as good. Yeah. I feel like you could view it. You could show it to your kids and they wouldn't be like, oh, this is so dated because it was yes. already a period movie anyway. Exactly. And the filmmaking style and everything was totally, it's kind of like oh Forrest Gump. It's just kind of timeless almost. Yes. I totally agree. And it was directed by Rob Reiner. Mm-hmm. He considers this one of his best movies he's ever made. Totally agree. And it was based on a novella by Stephen King called right. The Body. Mm-hmm. I find that Stephen King's short stories make mm-hmm. much better movies. Yes. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but when his novels are turned into movies, I'm not as big a fan. Because I feel like there's so much packed into the novels that it's there, almost yes. impossible to he is do a very a concise, wordy. Yeah. He is a wordy author. So, yeah. But this one, I so speaking of with kids, I watched it with my daughter, mm-hmm. with my um, oldest. And we talked about, I mean, I just asked her questions at the end. Mm-hmm. She loved the movie. Mm-hmm. I asked who her favorite one was of the four. Mm-hmm. And for her, it was Chris, River Phoenix. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. Do you yeah. agree with that? Yeah. He was amazing even when he was young. Oh, my God. I mean, they were all so good. But- good. He was, he broke my heart with the whole, the scene in by the campfire when he's talking to Gordy, to Will Wheaton Mm -hmm. and talking about how, you know, the stolen money Mm -hmm. and that they just automatically assumed it was him. And yes, he did take it, but he also gave it back. Oh my gosh. Yes. Oh my gosh. That just killed me. I asked, she loved the campfire chat, that whole scene where it's like, just, you know, the camera like just goes around and they each say just something right. random that like, you would talk about at a campfire. Yeah. Yes. The goofy thing. My daughter was cracking up. <laughs> she loved that. She thought it was so good. It was funny that her least favorite part <laughs> was, you remember the scene where Gordy's dad is asking Gordy why he can't have friends like Denny, his older mm-hmm. brother. Yep. And his older brother, in case you haven't seen it or you're curious, he passed away. Right. In a car crash or whatever. In a car crash. So he died and the family's obviously still reeling from this. Mm-hmm. And the mom, wasn't she the mom in Footloose? She was. And she was also, I think, the mom in Gremlins. Oh my gosh. She's just like... She's the, the 80s mom. The mom. Right there with D. Wallace Stone. Yes. Um, wait, who? <laughs> D. Wallace Stone, E.T., the mom in E.T. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> so my older daughter, her least favorite part, she's very sensitive about siblings being compared mm-hmm. in any way. <laughs> and that happened. Gordy's dad was like, why can't you have friends like Denny? Mm-hmm. And my daughter paused it and looked at me and she goes, do not ever say that to me. <laughs> I will be really upset. Is it because then, she doesn't ever want to be compared to your youngest or because they're so different she would be offended 
<laughs> I, you know, it you might be both. The youngest it, choices it over hers <laughs> might be both. They are determined. They they just know in their heads that we have a favorite, <laughs> and both of them think it's the younger one. And so I was like, okay, fine, let's do this. Which parent is your favorite? And they were both like, oh, I, don't, I can't say. And I was like, okay, so can we stop this? She did not care for Gordy's family. She felt really bad for Gordy. She was also really disappointed that they teased that dog, (laughs) the junkyard (laughs) dog. But the junkyard guy was horrible. He was that she was like, basically, that was not a proportionate response (laughs) that the man had. (laughs) She didn't, she, you know, with boys and all of the roughhousing and stuff. Mm -hmm. I remember that was just like, At least in my home with my older brother and Mm -hmm. watching him with his friends. That was what they did all the time. All the time. Yeah. She is way too mature for that. Apparently. (laughs) (laughs) She does not rough house at all. But she was like, oh, my God, why do they keep like wrestling? I go, that's just it's the like, I don't I can't explain it. I don't know. I don't understand it. I didn't do it. Girls in my hometown would do that. (laughs) Really? Okay. See, it's just. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. She with the ending. It was Teddy's ending that made her so sad. Corey Feldman. Mm -hmm. That made her the most upset. Because what happened? Did he? He went to to jail, right? Oh, when and got Nom got that, that made her the most sad. She, I asked her, do you think Ace ever got back at them? So Kiefer Sutherland through this whole thing, you know, mm-hmm. is like this total jerk. And, you know, the friends finally at the end, like stand up to him mm-hmm. and they're like, no. And, you know, they stand up for what's right. And he says he'll get back at them. So I asked her, I was like, do you think Ace ever got back at them? And she thought probably mm-hmm. he most likely did. So. One other thing we talked about was I remember being that age, the age of these boys. So they were what, like probably 13? 13. They were going into high 13. school, which is crazy okay, because so 13, 14. this was the summer before my freshman year. So I was the wow. exact same age yeah, when this came out. So I asked my daughter, you know, because one of the things in the movie is that the friends grow apart. Mm-hmm. I mean, what starts this whole thing is Richard Dreyfus, who is Gordy as an adult, is writing about this summer mm-hmm. after he read that one that Chris, his his good friend, River Phoenix, that Chris had died. Mm-hmm. And so I asked my daughter, I was like, do you think because I remember being that age and that she's you know, almost 14. Mm-hmm. And I said, are you with your forever? Like, do you think that your friends right now, like, are those your forever friends, mm-hmm. you know? And she was like, oh, definitely. And I remember being that age oh, thinking yeah. like, I can never live a day without these people. Mm-hmm. But then you do. Right. I feel like my college friends are my forever friends mm-hmm. because college was when. And you're still friends with them. Oh, Yeah. I yeah. mean, there mo- a lot of them are here in Portland, and we still yeah. hang out. And because that was when I really I was on my own, and I really mm-hmm. developed who I was and became comfortable with who I was, and they were there with me during right. that time and accepted me. And like I was, I only spent three years of my life at that college, but mm-hmm. like I'm closer to them. I became closer to them in the three years than I did with anyone my yeah. 18 years living in my hometown, you know? Yeah. So it's crazy. And even like when I moved to Texas, you know, texting wasn't a thing. Hardly anyone had cell phones and it was yeah. just email. And I changed my email like I changed my underwear. So, I mean, there was a period of probably three or four years where I didn't have any contact with them yeah. because we didn't have Facebook and Instagram and I mean, it was finally when Friendster came around. Yes. <laughs> and, um, I started finding these people again. But, yeah. You know, we picked up just like we had never lost touch. See, I had this. I had this one friend in junior high and high school, like first two years, m- mostly junior high, mm-hmm. and then going into high school, where I mean, we were with each other every single day with mm-hmm. each other, and. 
either I was spending the night at her house or she was spending the night at my house. Mm -hmm. And, but I haven't talked to her since my oldest was born. Yeah. And, but I remember thinking at that age, that young age, that we would be friends forever. Mm -hmm. I mean, like that we would, you know, we had such a strong bond. Right. But then those friendships do fade, Mm -hmm. you know, where I think if I were to see her now, we could pick up right where we left off and be perfectly fine. Right. And that's the testament of a true friendship. But those friendships do fade over time. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you can like, luckily for you, you're back in Oregon. Mm -hmm. You're, you get to be around them all the time. But there were those three or four years where there, you know, it Mm -hmm. wasn't, but then you got to pick up exactly where you left off. But it just made me sad because I started thinking about all of my like my childhood friends that at one point or another at different ages, I thought this, this is my person. Mm -hmm. Like this is Mm -hmm. my, I can't imagine my life without this person. Right. And then you do just like these boys in the movie. I mean, they all just kind of grew apart Mm -hmm. and heard rumors about each other. Right. Yeah. And it's not like anything happens that you, I mean, just life happens, you know, yeah. your careers take you in different places. Colleges take you in different places and you meet new people and then you're spending all your time with these new people. So it's. Yeah. The um one thing I realized while watching it is the number of things that I learned from this movie. Like, First of all, this movie introduced me to Buddy Holly. Really? Because they're listening to Every Day, mm-hmm. or that was playing when they were walking on the tracks. Right. I love, that is my favorite Buddy Holly song. I know every single Buddy Holly song. And this was what introduced me to that. Because I remember turning to my mom saying, what is that? And she said, oh my gosh, it's Buddy Holly. You would love him. And then she started playing him. Right. I don't shut up. I grow up. When I look at you, I throw up. Yes. Mama comes around and licks it up. <laughs> my God, how many times did I say that? <laughs> I used to say that all the time in elementary school because this came out when I was in elementary school Uh and I saw it when I was in elementary school and oh my God, we said that all the time. And also (laughs) give me skin. Yeah. Give me skin. We would do that all the time. (laughs) I totally forgot. It's so funny watching this because I haven't seen it in probably God, at least 25 years. Uh I saw it tons of times when I was a kid. Right. And then I just didn't. And The things like, I mean, it was flooding back. Mm -hmm. My oldest just kept laughing at me because I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) I remember. Like, I was so nostalgic watching this movie and it could seriously be made now and I would not change a single thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is one that does not need to be revisited or remade. I even read where um, Rob Reiner said that after the viewing of the movie, Stephen King was visibly shaken. Yes. And Reiner asked him if he was okay. And he said, this is probably the best version of one of my stories or books that's yes. ever been made. Absolutely. And it was nominated for best writing. Mm-hmm. It did not win. But it, well, it didn't, the Oscars, it mm-hmm. didn't win. Yes. I have you, have you read The Body? I haven't. I haven't either. And normally I do read like the Stephen King, you know, if they're turned into something, I will mm-hmm. normally read it. But part of me, I don't even want to read it. I yeah. love this movie so much. And I feel like I don't want anything to change that. Mm-hmm. Not that it would, but. Yeah, it was great. I was reading, you know, of course I get on IMDb right. when I watch these things. And I I remember reading that Kiefer Sutherland was purposefully, you know, intimidating to the kids because, you know, he wanted to keep that. Right. I love all the swearing in this movie. There's so <laughs> much swearing. Especially with Corey Feldman. Yes. Oh my gosh. And I was reading that Jerry O'Connell thought that was like the coolest thing. Because, <laughs> I mean, think about when you were, you know, 11, 12, 13 years old or whatever. Right. Like, you're not supposed to do that. But right. oh my God, now they're doing a movie where they get to do that. And he has to practice lines <laughs> and say those words. So I thought that was quite adorbs. It's <laughs> amazing. But yeah, it's... What's so sad is, you know, River Phoenix, I mean, died, what year did he die? 93? Something, yeah. It was early 90s. And, you know, in this movie, his friend is talking about how he died and everything. So that was a little, a little sad. I really miss River Phoenix. He was good. He was so amazing. I do love 
his brother Joaquin. Yeah, he has like his shoulders. Have you what? noticed that? His shoulders when he stands, like he's got a. Oh God! I didn't ever realize that. Yeah, it's like he's they're off balance. Interesting. I picked that up, I think, in the movie Signs, and now that's all I see. Whenever I look at him, it's like... Oh, I forgot he was in Signs. Mm -hmm. I fell in love with... Because he was more my age Mm -hmm. than River was. But I fell in love with him back when his name was Leaf. And he was in a little movie called Parenthood. Yeah, I didn't realize Leaf became River... Or Leaf became... Joaquin. Joaquin. He was in Parenthood and he was in Space Camp. (laughs) I do remember Space Camp. <laughs> yes. God, I loved that movie. I loved that way too much. Yes. So, yeah. Anyway, River, awesome. stand by me. Everyone should watch it. It yes. really, I mean, you can watch it at any, in any decade, at any age, and it will hold, it, it will still hold today. It will. So good. All right. Well, let's take a break and then we'll yes, talk about The Outsiders. Okay, so before we jump into The Outsiders, here are the top 10. So this, these are from August 12th when this drops in 1983, so three years prior. Oh. Which just happened to be the same year of Flashdance. And this came out March 25th, 1983, which I think was just a few weeks before, or maybe after, a few weeks after Flashdance. Okay, okay. Was released. One of the two. So, movies. Top number 10. Smokey and the Bandit 3. Honestly, I didn't know they made a third. I didn't either. Number nine, Krull. Never saw it. I know it was some sort of sci-fi movie. That, yeah, that sounds familiar. Number eight was War Games. With Matthew Broderick and Mm -hmm. Helen Hunt? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I loved that movie. Number seven, Jaws 3D. (laughs) (laughs) That... Movie is classic. Wasn't that one of like the first? I know that was my first 3D movie I ever saw. Yeah, I that and Friday the 13th Part 3, which I think was also about 1983 because it was Friday the 13th Part 3. Oh my gosh. Number six, Trading Places with Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd. Yes. Oh. Number five, Staying Alive with John Travolta (gasps) and his shorty shorts. Oh my God. The shortest shorts I've ever seen in my life. Right. Number four, Star Wars, Episode Six, Return of the Jedi. Of course. Number three, Risky Business. (laughs) I love that movie. (laughs) Number two, Cujo. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Dee Wallace Stone was the mom in that. Good Lord. Yeah. And number one, National Lampoon's Vacation. Oh, going to Wally World. (laughs) Going to Wally. You know what? I did a show with the guy who played Wally. With Eddie Bracken. Oh. I, I did a show when I was a kid. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Babes in Toyland. And I was so excited <laughs> when it was him. And it was very telling that that's where I knew him. Like, none of the other kids knew him. Right. But I was like, oh, my God, he was in vacation. <laughs> and none of my friends were allowed to watch the movie. But I was very excited. That's amazing. All right. Oh, and can I, uh-huh. can I, I'm so sorry. I yes. need to make one little correction on mine. Yes. Sam I mean, actually came out August 8th, not August the 12th. 8th. Okay. But the sorry. week of, yes. probably. But the week of, yes. Four. Yeah. Okay, go on. All right. Songs. Number 10, Rising, Keep Feeling. Or, I'm sorry. It wasn't Rising. <laughs> that was. What? Oh. Going <laughs> 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 around Burgundy, where it tells you if the song is rising on the <laughs> I'm Odell Hutchison. <laughs> I was like, I didn't know that was the title of the song. Oh, I'm an idiot. Oh my God, I love it. <laughs> Number oh, 10 okay. was Keep Feeling Fascination by the Human League. I don't know that one. I, you need to just have a playlist up I and ready. I do. I need to just... We need to do an account on Spotify that's just all of the... For these rewinds. We totally do. Or just make a um, a playlist for each episode. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Number nine, Never Gonna Let You Go by Sergio Mendez. What is that one? Oh my God, Erin. What is wrong with me? I'm so sorry. You will know this one. It's like... Oh, yes. Forever. This is the song that oh, you yes. hear like at midnight when they're doing those flashbacks, CD <laughs> yes. compilations. <laughs> yes. Oh. With the people with the 80s hair drinking wine yes. in front of a fireplace. 
<laughs> Number eight, It's a Mistake by Men at Work. Can't tell you what that song is. Okay, good, because I don't know either. Number seven, Flashdance, What a Feeling <gasps> by Irene uh, Tara. Number six, Stand Back by Stevie Nicks. Oh, nice. Number okay. five, Is There Something I Should Know by Duran Duran. I didn't know that what that one was. I had to look it up, and then when I heard it, I was like, oh, yeah. Okay. Number four, Maniac by Michael Cimbello. <gasps> oh, so Flashdance really was like the thing at mm-hmm. this time. Number three, She Works Hard for the Money by Donna Summer. <laughs> Number two, Sweet Dreams Are Made of This by the Eurythmics. <gasps> I think that's one of my favorite Eurythmic songs. That and I... Here Comes Rain Again. Yes, yes, yes to the yes. Love both of those. And number one, Every Breath You Take by The Police. That was number oh. one when we did Flashdance as well. Wow, that was such a good one. It was. Okay, so synopsis of, we're doing The Outsiders, by the way, which was released oh, yeah. on March 25th, 1983, directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Synopsis is, a teen gang in rural Oklahoma, the Greasers, are perpetually at odds with the Socials, a rival group. When Greasers Pony Boy, played by C. Thomas Howell, and Johnny, Ralph Macchio, Get into a brawl that ends in the death of a social member. The boys are forced to go into hiding. Soon, Pony Boy and Johnny, along with the intense Dallas, played by a very fucking sexy Matt Dillon, and their other <laughs> greaser buddies, must contend with the consequences of their violent lives. While some greasers try to achieve redemption, others meet tragic ends. There were so many fucking big names in this one. This one was huge. And it was right before they all became like, insanely famous Mm -hmm. we had patrick swayze who played the older brother tom cruise matt dillon who played soda pop diane lane oh she was so young Mm -hmm. rob oh no rob lowe played soda pop matt dillon played dallas yes yes emilio estevez ralph macchio c thomas howell all I put about the movie was just from the very beginning, what's up with Matt Dillon's walk? Because I know. he's very strutty. But then I'm like, also, very why is he so fucking strutty. sexy to me? I remember developing a crush uh, on Matt Dillon in Little Darlings because he played the boy from the neighboring oh. camp that Christy McNichol was going to do it with for as part of her bet. And then they ended up not. Yeah, he was very, very sexy. But no, I, I felt the same way. Mm-hmm. I mean, talk about a strut. But, you know, now that you mentioned the other movies, it was very much a staying alive strut. It was. It was. Very much. Yep. So I think that was just the thing. <laughs> I think it was. And I think he was this up and coming because he had done all of these teen gang related movies. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize how prevalent this was. And I almost feel like these movies were being made as a warning to parents, like, keep your kids under control or they're going to take over. Because there were so many of these gang movies back then that I'd forgotten about. Like, he was in one called, I think, Over the Edge, where there's this safe little Colorado town where the teens rise up and they trap the adults in the school and they're lighting their cars on fire as a show of rebellion. Right. Which, it's just ridiculous. But There was also the most famous one of them at the time. Of the of the boys in it were was was it Leaf Garrett Leaf Garrett. Mm-hmm. He yeah. was the most famous at the time. Yeah, and I remember him being in like all of the Tiger Beat and oh what yes. was that other teen? There was like sixteen Tiger Beat and something else. It was basically like pop culture. Oh, he for was teen magazines that I, I was used obsessed to get, with. Yes, I would get those all. And would the you time. ever tear the pages out and like plaster your walls of with these pictures? I would. Especially if Zach Morris was in there in any way. <laughs> Zach Morris was all over my walls. Mine was Madonna, John Bon Jovi, Ugh. the lead singer from Winger. Winger? <laughs> <laughs> from what? Winger. W-I-N-G-E-R. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Who, what did they singer. sing? Um, she's only 17. I'm I'll so find bad someone. at like... Normally, I'm really good. Were, like, My best friend is terrible at picking songs and remembering. I, I cannot remember anything this morning. <laughs> so this movie, just overall, I watched the version because initially when it came out, there was some disappointment mm-hmm. because they felt like Francis Ford Coppola had cut out some very important scenes from the book that they really wanted to see portrayed on, right. on screen. So several years later... And what I read was it wasn't necessarily that he had cut them. Well, he did, but 
with but pressure the studio, from the studio execs. Yeah. Saying, we need to cut this back. So they actually added the Is scenes Is it because they considered in. it too long? I think so. I mean, I feel like most movies back then, if you went over 90 minutes by much, they were like, no, 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 cut yeah. it, cut it, cut it. How long? So you watched the the full version that was re-released, like the complete novel, mm-hmm. I think is what it's yeah, called. it's called the complete So how novel. long was that one? It was almost, I think there was only like 15 minutes of stuff back added. in it. I think it was like an hour and 45 minutes or something. It was less okay. than two hours. But the okay. original one was like right around 90 minutes. Right. Okay. They, it's, it has a much longer beginning, like an opening. They introduce you to the characters because in the, the original cut, it starts with them meeting Dallas outside the movie theater, I think. Right. The other cut shows you meet Patrick Swayze and Rob Lowe much sooner. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because we didn't meet him until what's his fate? See Thomas Howell came home. Mm-hmm. So this one, I hadn't seen it in forever. I'd seen Stand By Me more recently, well, probably within the last 15 years. I haven't watched The Outsiders since we watched it. You know, and I said last time that we read and watched this in high school, but I'm pretty sure it was in college when I took okay. this. My first year of college, I took like American classic literature or something, and this was one of them. And then we watched the movie. And it's probably been since then. Yeah. They now do that in seventh grade. Wow. This is the big book they read. Isn't that insane? It is. But I don't feel like the movie, and I don't know if it was just because of the style, like the way it was shot, it felt very choppy. The fire scene in the church just seemed really hokey <laughs> to me. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it just felt very jerky. Yes. So I had never seen this. Uh-huh. I mean, because that's the whole reason you put it on there with Stand By Me was right. I had never seen this. And I, uh, I'll i be totally honest. I did not like it mm-hmm. at all. I've never read the book either. Yeah. I did see a play mm-hmm. of The Outsiders and it was incredible. Mm-hmm. I loved, loved, loved it. And as I was watching the movie, I kept thinking this, the acting that's going on and the way they're saying their dialogue and everything, this would be so much better on stage. Mm-hmm. And with these actors, yeah. like they were acting for the stage. It felt like, yeah, cause it, it was, was all just big. a little exaggerated yes. and you know, but yep. it would have been with that cast. It would have been amazing on stage. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, the big thing was the importance of being there for each other because they all had broken mm-hmm. homes Mm-hmm. And they were all just trying to get through life against the odds. And these boys were just there for each other. Plus, it was also, you know, commentary on classes, poor against rich. But yeah. I when I watched it, I was like, oh, this it didn't it didn't have the same impact. And it wasn't because I watched it after Stand By Me. I actually watched this one first. And then I watched Stand By Me a day or two later. And Stand By Me was only released, it was only three years later, but it just yeah. felt like a much better movie. And both of them have similar themes yeah. in that it's about young boys, like how you make your own family. Yeah. When your family yeah. either falls apart or dies or whatever, yeah. and you just look out for each other and take care of each other. And Stand By Me had a more profound impact, like emotional impact. Whereas yeah. with The Outsiders has a lot more tragedy in it. Yes. Tons but more. The emotional impact wasn't there because it just felt uh-uh. so manic and so rushed. I totally agree. I, I was really surprised. So my daughter didn't watch this one with me mm-hmm. because she found out it was a book and she was like, no, I have to do the book first. <laughs> I did not tell her that Stand By Me was also a book because I really <laughs> wanted her to watch that. But... <laughs> So she refused to watch it with me. So I watched it and I watched it over two days. I mean, like, Mm -hmm. that's why I was asking how long it was for you. It felt so long to me. Yeah, it feels a lot longer than it actually is. A lot longer. I split it into two days because I was just like, I'm zoning out, Mm -hmm. you know? But yeah, I was, I mean, just the fact that these, I cannot believe the big names that were in this. Mm -hmm. Right before they all became famous, because Risky Business came out the same year. Yeah, he and found out that he got 
the part while he was filming this, I think. Yeah. So, I mean, that movie was huge. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I read that The Outsiders was his last, like, supporting role until Magnolia. Wow. Yeah. The, I mean, from once Risky Business hit, he was the lead all mm-hmm, the time. Mm-hmm. So it's really crazy watching him and the, God, they looked so young. Yeah. They were babies and they were all in their teens, except for Ralph Macchio, who mm-hmm. looked the youngest. Of he all. did. He did. I How read was he so perpetually young? That I think it was Coppola wanted him and C. Thomas Howell, who played Pony Boy to spend a lot of time together because they were like the closest. But I read that they didn't really get along because Ralph Macchio was older and he would hang out and he would want to run lines. But C. Thomas Howell, who was like five years younger, wanted to try to beat each other's scores on (laughs) Pac-Man. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I I mean, and he, oh my God, Ralph Macchio was just like a baby. He did. He did, and he was the oldest one. Him and he and Pat, well, Patrick Swayze was the oldest, which he was. Yes, and he was almost anyway, thirty. Yeah, he was. You know, the older brother who was raising them, but he was still playing someone seven years older. I think they said because he was supposed to be yeah. twenty one or twenty two. Yeah, in his character, and then he was twenty nine, going on thirty. Yeah, yeah. which oh you are gosh. when you're twenty nine. <laughs> you going are on going on thirty. You're right. You are. Oh my but gosh, we learned so weird, much though, on this. Like, when are you feasibly going on 30? Is it the day after your 29th birthday? Or do you have to be within like three months in order to be going on the next age? No, I think you're going on. I mean, I just see age as like this constant downhill slide. <laughs> like I am 42 now. Right. And almost 43. So I am are you going on 43. I'm going on 43, but I consider it, I'm going on 45. (laughs) Like I do these five year, you know, these slopes and I'm at the top of my little early forties slope and Mm -hmm. I'm starting to slide down. Oh yeah. Well, I'm like on a free fall toward 50. So (laughs) (laughs) you really are. (laughs) So yeah, the movie wasn't, wasn't a huge fan of it. I remember liking it back in the day. And I'm wondering if it was just because the style of the movie and the way it was shot and the way it looked, if that affected me. But then, like I said, when I watched Stand By Me, I was like, well, it wasn't like Stand By Me, you could watch now and it doesn't look old. It doesn't look like it was shot. You know, I mean, think about there's some fantastic, like I absolutely love the Godfather part Mm -hmm. one and part two. And I love some of the seventies, like dramas Mm -hmm. are unbelievable. So you think about that and those to me are timeless. Right. You know, this, I don't know what it was. There was just, you can tell this was made, even though this was a period piece, mm-hmm. you can tell this was made in the eighties. Oh yeah. In the early eighties too. In the early eighties. Yeah. Some of the tidbits that I, I pulled was mm-hmm. when, at the drive-in when Matt Dillon character of Dallas sits down next to, I don't know if he sits next to, Diane Lane, or if he's still behind her, but he falls out of his chair. Mm-hmm. That was an accident. It wasn't rehearsed. And you can see C. Thomas Howell looking at the camera because he expected Francis Ford Coppola to cut. Oh, to stop it? But they oh. kept shooting and they kept the shot in the movie. Oh, I need to go back and watch that part. Coppola wanted Matt Dillon to spend a night in jail to understand his character, who had spent <laughs> a lot of time in, in jail. And he refused. He said, no way, Francis. How about you go spend a night in jail? <laughs> <laughs> Matt Dillon, I loved reading about him and Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah. And just, it seemed like, I mean, and he ended up being one of Francis Ford Coppola's favorite mm-hmm. people. Yeah, because but... he brought him back for to do, because he did a version of Rumblefish, which was also yeah. by Essie Hinton, and he cast him and Diane Lane in, in that. Yeah, yeah. I read that during the filming, the actors playing the Soches, you know, upper class gang, were given leather-bound scripts, and they were put up in luxury accommodations while the greasers were given battered paperback scripts and had to stay in the ground floor of the hotel because he wanted to create tension between them. That would piss me off. (laughs) This is kind of funny and kind of gross. So in the scene where the boys are, you know, they're getting ready for the rumble, 
And Tom Cruise does the back tuck off the hood of the truck. Oh, yes. So yes, Patrick Swayze yes. had coached him on how to do it. But right before the scene, he worked up to Essie Hinton because she was on set. She said she, she was made her kind little of like, cameo too. Yeah. And she was the basically like the boy's mother the entire time. She kind of wrangled them, kept them under control. But he walked up to her and he said, I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to do it. I feel nauseous because I ate too much during lunch. And she asked him if he thought he would feel better if he threw up. Cruz said he thought so. So she took him to the food truck and made him drink raw eggs until Mm. he threw up. It made him feel better and he was able to do the stunt without a problem. (laughs) So gross. What happened to the good old finger down the throat? Right. Hello. I read that Diane Lane and Matt Dillon did not get along. During uh-uh. this, she didn't uh-huh. like him because he would tease her kind of like he did because they, they shot that scene early and he kind right. of kept the character going throughout filming and she did not like him at all. Yeah. After Matt Dillon auditioned for Dallas, Coppola walked up to him and told him, you can go home now. And he thought he didn't get the part. So he called his agent, told him he didn't get the part and then found out that Coppola had actually sent him home because he knew he was going to cast him as Dallas. Mm-hmm. S.E. Hinton the author of the book that I just mentioned a bit ago, she wrote the original story when she was 15 and then she finished it when she was 16. I could not believe that. No, That's amazing. I really do need to read the book. Now, did she do the screenplay? I don't know. No. Well, it says, let's see. I have it here. No, Kathleen. Oh, she helped. Well, I guess. Coppola threw out Kathleen Rowell's script, wrote his own and filmed the new screenplay. However, due to a decision by the writer's guild, Coppola was unable to secure a credit for himself. So it looks like he had a script and he didn't like it. So he did his own, which may have been part of the problem. He, I guess Matt Dillon was always goofing off on set, which just frustrated the fuck out of Coppola. He called him an airhead one day. So Essie Hinton convinced him to apologize and talk to Matt Dillon, told him he needed to cooperate. Again, she was kind of the peacemaker on set. But then... Coppola ended up growing so fond of Matt Dillon. Like I said, he cast him in Rumblefish, which was also from an S.E. Hinton novel. That it? Yeah. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot to say about it. <laughs> I <laughs> Neither know. Neither of us do. It's, I know. It's just, it's... The story's good. I just didn't really care for the movie. If I, you get a chance it, to see the play, mm-hmm. you really should. Yeah. If you're curious about The Outsiders. I'm assuming the book is amazing. Mm-hmm. So you should probably read the book. And then see a play. But if you want to see these actors before they hit it big. Right. It's pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. I mean, just look at these actors in the 80s. Think of how huge they were. And this was before any of them hit it. Like that just blows me away with the casting. Mm -hmm. Good job picking out those people. Yeah. Because Patrick Swayze had been around for a bit, but he didn't really... Stick it, it was, until Dirty Dancing, yeah, really. Yeah, I mean, this was, yeah, exactly. Like, he wasn't, you know, Patrick Swayze mm-hmm. from Dirty Dancing. I mean, and see Thomas these. Howell, I feel like he's probably one of the lesser known and these he, days. Lo- who did he look like? Hold on, hold on. Oh, God. Why didn't I write this down? Because the whole time I was like, my God. Oh, he looks like Harry Styles. Oh, I don't really know Harry Styles. I've heard some of his songs, I think. I think Matt Dillon was one who was already rising to prominence when this yeah. movie came out. Yeah. Probably one of the more better known than Tom Cruise, like you said. Emilio Estevez, he was really when, I think, Breakfast Club. Yeah, that was. Was when he got to be more well known. Ralph Macchio is Karate Kid. Karate Kid, which, and I think all of these came out within the, like a couple of years after yes. The Outsiders. Yeah. 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 Oh, Rob right. Lowe, I hadn't <gasps> seen him. I remember, I think, About Last Night was one of the first movies that I saw Rob Lowe in with Rob he Lowe and Demi Moore. He was so gorgeous. He's still so gorgeous. Yeah. Oh my God, he's gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah, right. so there we are. Love it. Our, our movies. Well, we'll go, but before we do, next time, we're going to watch Terms of Endearment. Because very, I have not seen Aaron it. I have not seen it. One of my favorite movies ever. What is it? Isn't it the... No, that's Love Story. Oh, damn it. (laughs) What's Terms of Endearment? I used to play it on the piano all the time. 
it kind of reminds me of the little ditty that Jack Black's character writes for the yes, old man in the holiday. No, the holiday. <laughs> yes. Like, he was not in that. <laughs> yes. I know this it because. It does sound like that. Over the holidays, I have one day that I call rom-com day. I watch the holiday. I watch the family stone. I watch while you're sleeping and love actually. <laughs> oh my God. What a wonderful day. That is such a great day. We watch all of the, well, no, actually we don't watch um, while you were sleeping. We never watched that one. And Adam doesn't watch Family Stone. I love that one. Love Actually and The Holiday. Those are staples. Mm -hmm. And The Holiday is such a terrible movie, but it is only because of Jack Black and Kate Winslet. And honestly, Cameron Diaz is terrible in that movie. She's not very good in anything. No, she's not. I do not care for her. I don't either. But the other three are like at the top of their game in that one. I love it. You know it. what other one I watch a lot is Four Christmases. I watch that every year. I love that Bond. movie. <laughs> it makes me laugh so hard. Yes. And Can I show that to my girls? Are they old enough? I think so. I think so. I can. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm, There's I'll nothing. look at Common Sense Media. I mean, it's just the opening scene where they're pretending to be other people and they're picking each other up in the bar and they go to the bathroom and they do it. Yes. After that scene, it's pretty. But, you know, the girls have watched The Office and they've watched Friends and. Yeah. I mean, it's not like pornish or watched, anything. No. no yeah, I have. Mind. Just like with Halloween, I have my own little Christmas ritual of movies. I love it. And then so when I'm cute. not watching, like when I don't sit down to watch a movie, then while I'm up doing things, I mm-hmm. keep the Hallmark Channel going. Just to have oh the ambiance of, I mean, there, it's all basically the same movie, just different actors regurgitated, but yeah. it's the magic, the little winter villages, yes. snow, yes. it just feels like, Chris, I just need the feeling. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I get it. All right. Okay. That's, that's enough. We will see you next time on Why Is Everyone Staring At Us? We will. Hey, thanks for listening. To ensure you don't miss future episodes, head over to iTunes or your favorite podcasting app and subscribe. And while you're there, show us some love with a five-star rating. If you'd like ad-free content, merch discounts, unedited videos of our recording sessions, and other goodies, you should become a Patreon member. Just head to our website at whyareyoustaring.com and click the Patreon link to subscribe. Speaking of our website, this is also where you can send us your questions, leave us a voicemail, and find out more about us. And since you're there, go ahead and treat yourself to some merch. And don't forget to follow us on social media. See you next time. This podcast was brought to you by Literally Everything.